As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. After back-to-back humiliations on national TV, our beloved return home to Soldier Field in an attempt to forget a winless September and get October off to a good start by beating the Detroit Lions. Can the Bears stop the spiral, or will their fall continue? Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit joins us on the Week 4 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. As I said in the opening, a winless September is behind us. Can the Bears get October off to a good start with a win over the Detroit Lions? What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the Week 4 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. And uh, the technology did cooperate, so we do have another guest back on the show, our good friend Jeremy Reisman from PrideOfDetroit.com on SB Nation, here to talk to us with... Uh, about the uh, the Bears and the Lions uh, on Sunday to talk about the contrast between our two teams, despite their losing records, is a lot more positive uh, with the Lions going on right now than there is with the Bears. I have a great discussion uh, with Jeremy about that, and uh, you know we do ask, uh, you know, what's it going to take for the Bears to to win on Sunday on on e- either side of the football? And Jeremy had some some really great insights to uh, you know kind of make it seem not so impossible for the Bears to finally win uh, a football game uh, in 2016. So, you know, it's 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 been a really rough start to the season. Uh, one other thing that Jeremy and I did talk about is something that I have mentioned a couple of times is that, you know, we just did finish up September, even though it feels like, you know, it's been forever since training camp started and you know, it feels like it's been a lot longer since week one was, but it's only been a few weeks and um, there's still a whole lot of football left to be played and a lot of things can change between now and then. You know, I mean, the my favorite example would have to be the Chiefs last year. You know, when we played them, they were one and three. We beat them to, to push them to one and four. They lost one more after that and then didn't lose a regular season game until I think last weekend, week two, you know, whatever it was. They won 11 or 12 straight regular season games uh, in a row. So stranger things have happened. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, also ravaged by injury, were able to put a string uh, of victories together, make the playoffs, and. Uh, you know, make a run of it before uh, closing the book on 2015 last year. Not completely impossible for it to happen to the Bears. I don't think we'll go on an 11 game winning streak, but, you know, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that the season could be turned around. So, um, you know, a little air of optimism in the face of the adversity that we are facing uh, right now. So, 
A little bit of news uh, to share with you guys uh, real quickly, uh, talking about some of these uh, transactions at the Bears of May with all the injuries and everything. You know, roster moves are, are on the cusp, and, um, you know, the, the more important ones, uh, the Bears signed defensive lineman C.J. Wilson and running back Joyke Bell, if that name sounds familiar. Well, he used to play for the team that were playing this Sunday, and the Detroit Lions uh, had a bit of an injury past with them, and that's why... Um, he's uh, was well was unemployed until Tuesday, uh, for that matter. But uh, Joyke Bell has been signed uh, to the roster. How much he will play on Sunday is still kind of up in the air right now. How much of the offense was he able to absorb uh, in that short amount of time? I, you know, I can't imagine that uh, it would be too difficult to be like take the ball and run that way. So I just uh, you know can't imagine it was too tough. He's not the quarterback or anything. Uh, also, John Timu was elevated from the practice squad to. The the 53-man roster and Jonathan Anderson was actually put on waivers he cleared waivers and has been signed back to the practice squad so Anderson still with the Bears but no longer on the 53-man roster and the Bears put Kyle Fuller on injured reserve but it's that temporary injured reserve where he has the eligibility to come back uh, in eight weeks so I guess that knee injury uh, just not healing the way the Bears would like and uh, he's going to get a little bit of extra time uh, to get ready so there's that and then one other really interesting like news topic that came up was on uh, Wednesday yesterday uh, John Fox having his regular uh, press conference with the media kind of left it out there that uh, Jay Cutler returning from this thumb injury um, is not guaranteeing that Jay's just going to step right back into the uh, into the starting lineup when that happens, which is interesting to say the least, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, no, Jay has not been great uh, in the first couple of games uh, this season. Um, but uh, again, it's not his fault that the Bears aren't playing well. So I think it's odd that that John, that Fox would put it out there like that, that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing it was more of a statement that no one's job is safe at this point with the way that this team is playing. Everybody's job is up for evaluation, uh, I think may have been the message that John Fox was trying to express. But of course, the headline was Cutler's not guaranteed to get his job back when he returns uh, from injury which could be as soon as next Sunday or, you know, a few Sundays down the line because he did practice on Wednesday, uh, limited in practice on Wednesday with the thumb injury, was held out of practice today and uh, is likely out for Sunday uh, against the Lions. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's true, that Jay doesn't rush back, especially when the injury is on his throwing hand. You know, if it was on his non-throwing hand, he probably would have played all along. But it's his throwing hand. We saw how it was it was affecting him against the Eagles. And, um, you know, I want him to take his time and be 100% when he gets back to give himself the best shot. Because let's be realistic here. This is the year that many Bear fans have been waiting for since Jay signed that contract. All of his guaranteed money is gone. So if the Bears were to let him go, they do so at no penalty whatsoever. So this is the this is the the season for Jay. You know, it's put up or shut up for for Jay because the Bears can let him go without any kind of cap hit, cap penalty, nothing. They can just show him the door uh, and uh, and release him. So if uh, 
Jay has any hopes of still being in a Bear uniform in, in 2017 and has any hopes of being able to finish out this this contract, I would take the time as needed to get healthy and be as close to 100% as I possibly could be before I went back out onto the field and, and tried to earn his place back uh, with this uh, with the franchise. So, I, like I said, I do think that the message that Fox was trying to send out was that with the way the team is playing, nobody's job is safe. But the headline was, uh, you know, John Fox won't guarantee uh, Cutler's job when he returns from injury. So, of course, that got everybody's panties in a twist about what that means and all the rest of that stuff. So, anyway, that's a little bit of news that I have uh, uh, for you guys, uh, the transactions, the roster moves. You know, Joyke Bell is, is interesting. He was a good back when he was healthy with the Lions, and, and maybe he could be the shot in the arm that our backfield needs uh, right now, I think it's more of an issue with the offensive line than it is with our backs because Jeremy Langford, Kadeem Carey, and our new starter, Jordan Howard, have all shown flashes when they've had the opportunity to run uh, the football and, and you know get, get through some open lanes and get to the second level. They're all very dangerous once they do that. It's just getting out of the uh getting outside the box if you will has been the issue thus far for the offensive line and the fact that uh you know our offensive coordinator Dole Loggins abandons the run way too quickly and that's something that we'll talk about after our interview with Jeremy when we talk about our keys uh to the game uh, for the Bears there at the end before we wrap up. So that's going to do it for our little news and notes uh, section. What do we say? We go ahead and, and bring in our guest, Jeremy Reisman, from uh, prideofdetroit.com on SB Nation and preview the Bears and the Lions for week number four. Come on, come on. And for an unprecedented second week in a row, the technology is on our side and cooperating, so we're happy to bring in our good friend from Pride of Detroit, Jeremy Reisman. How are we doing, Jeremy? I'm doing great, Larry. Glad to glad to have the technology back for you. Yes, and I and I, I understand you're having the same issues with the technology that I was having before. Yeah, podcast recording seems very easy, but if technology doesn't, you know, cooperate things fall apart very quickly yeah it's like pissing in the wind i mean it just really just does not make any just not, doesn't help out at all so so here we are we're, we're coming into the the first meeting between our two respective teams and um between our two teams we've played six games and we've got one victory to show for it between <laughs> the two teams um the only thing is um as we were talking about just before we got started here um detroit has been in three relatively close ball games um, you can make an argument that they should at least be two and one because of the the last second touchdown against Tennessee there in week number two. Uh, and, but the Bears, on the other hand, have played horrendously and deserve to be zero and three. So there's quite a disconnect between your one and two and our zero and three. That's that's probably fair to say. But you know, the Lions' one win also did come on a last second field goal too. So. If if you're going to make the argument that they could be two and one, they could also very easily be an zero and three too. Very very true. You know that is true. But you know the other difference is you've been in all three of your ball games, yeah. or at least you made it interesting at the end with Green Bay. They got off to that huge lead in the first half. But uh, aside from the Bears taking their lead into the fourth quarter against Houston, we haven't been in a ball game with any of our opponents since then. 
basically. So, like I said, huge disconnect between your 1 and 2 and our 0 and 3. We're not playing competitive football, and you guys are at least making a fight out of it. Yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of good things coming out of Detroit. I, I'm not sure how many good things you can say are coming out of the Chicago team right now. Yeah, you know, that's true. And, and you know, unfortunately, I do like to keep it real with with my fans. And I think that's why some people do enjoy the show is that I'm not a, you know, a mindless soldier and I'm always drinking the bear Kool-Aid. It's just when you see what we've been seeing, you can't help but say, like, we suck right now. And, uh, you know, seeing the power rankings come out, we're either 31 or 32 on yeah. the rankings. And it's it's hard to argue against it at this point. Yeah, yeah. We do a weekly uh, kind of roundup of, of power rankings, and I think everyone but one had had you thirty one or thirty two. I think the other one was thirtieth. So yeah, we're 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 definitely uh, down there, and it's an unfortunate thing, especially with the the hope or the optimism that came into this year, signing all the the talent that we have on defense, and you know, well, we fixed our inside linebacker problem that we had last year. We basically didn't exist in the middle of the field last year. Trevathan and Freeman, those guys are going to be awesome. We draft Leonard Floyd and, and Jonathan Bullard and, uh, you know, Cody Whitehair to help out with the offensive line, and it's just like, you know, while those players aren't playing horribly, it just hasn't worked out yet, and we can't really figure out why. So from the outside, what what do you think is going wrong with the Bears, aside from the injury problems? Well, yeah, I, I was going to mention injuries right up front because it's something I don't think you can completely ignore. Uh, you know, Trevathan, you got Kyle Fuller out, you, you got Pernell McPhee on the pup. Uh, I, I expected this defense to be a lot better this year, and I'm sure – almost every Chicago fan did too. And missing out on those guys is, is, is going to hurt. I mean, the Lions are dealing themselves with a ton of injuries on defense and have, have been horrible through three weeks. So I, I, I do think defensively you guys are getting hurt by injuries there. Offensively, same deal. I mean, Jay Cutler's out. Um, but at the same time, I don't think anyone, at least – in Detroit was really expecting the Bears to make a huge step this year. Uh, I think they still expected them to either finish third or fourth in the division. Um, just injuries have kind of made it an even worse situation. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, realistically, we had to think that, you know, second second would probably be the best that we could do. Third or fourth is probably where we would end up this year because it's a building to 2017, which is where we should really take off it's like what we were hoping for with the schedule and the additions that you know we had this year thinking optimistically maybe the bears could be our nine or a ten win team just because we should be better than these teams that were horrible in 2015 where at least we were competitive now we've got more talent and you know that should put us over the hump with a lot of these games and it just hasn't happened yet yeah and and uh, this is just kind of coming from an outsider perspective, and maybe you can tell me I'm wrong, but I, I feel like the loss of Adam Gase was huge. You know, I didn't think it would be. Honestly, I didn't, and I've been very wrong about that. I can admit that 100% uh, now because I've, with Dole Loggins being in there, we're going to be running the same offense. There's not going to be much change at all in terminology. Dole Loggins was the guy that was coaching Jay Cutler. That He was the quarterback coach last year so I didn't think the separation would be as bad you know yeah. but we are absolutely predictable and uninspired on offense our defense opponents can see us coming from a mile away you know and we can't get the 
keep the def- keep the offense on the field. The offensive line, which was supposed to be a strength for us after moving Kyle Long back to guard and and stealing uh, sitting, yeah. you know, right there, right before the the, the yeah. start of the season. Uh, and everything, Bobby Massey was going to be an upgrade uh, at the offensive tackle position. You know, it's a, like signing Massey made us better at two positions. I mean, I know Long was a, a, a Pro Bowl guy at tackle last year, but we were weak on the inside because of it. So we moved him down to guard. We're better at guard, and we're good at tackle and, and everything. And it's just uh, it's it's been disturbing watching it go down the way it has. And it's been something that's, you know, the, the first two preseason games, like, ah, it's preseason, it's no big deal. That dress rehearsal game against the Chiefs where they absolutely ran us off the field for three and a half quarters was the first one where you just kind of had to sit back and be like, this might actually be as bad as it looks. Yeah. And and when you do that much shuffling on the offensive line, you I'm sure you're expecting at least a little bit of hiccuping at the start of the year, but um, I, th- I think it's fair to say it's been been a little worse than expected. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the most disturbing thing about it was that – we seem to be getting out coached now. Yeah. And that was the thing that I thought those days were over when we got our hands on Fox and especially on, on Vic Fangio. These are very smart, very astute guys uh, as far as their coaching levels are concerned. You know, I thought our days of being outsmarted by our opponent were at least, you know, uh, it was going to be a lot. Of, it wasn't going to happen as often if it happened at all. And that's all I've been seeing so far this year. I mean, it, I, you know, maybe the the NFL is passing John Fox by or or whatever because we just seem to be a step behind every week now. Yeah, it, it, and it's still it's still early in the season. I I try to hold back on any sweeping judgments of the Lions so far because it has only been three weeks and we know very little about the opponents that each team has faced. So, you know, things can always turn around and and teams do improve drastically through the season. I I believe that. So. You know, the Bears went through a lot of transition this offseason. I think they'll get better. Um, I'm still not predicting huge things for them this year, but, you know, I, I'm not expecting like an 0-16 season or anything crazy like that. Right, and I agree with you on that. And I that's what the other thing that I've been saying is that, dude, it is crazy early uh, in the season right now. It just sucks that it's happening the way it's happening yeah. right now, uh, especially with our last two games being on national television. That's right. going to be the impression – excuse me, that's going to be the impression that the Bears leave with everyone in the country until they play Minnesota week number eight on Monday Night Football again, you know, because after the way the Bears played in weeks two and three, NBC's not going to be tripping over themselves to flex the Bears into a Sunday (laughs) night game later on this year. I mean, who the hell's going to want to watch that? But, um, you know, it is very early on. A lot can happen between now and January 1st, the last day uh, of the season. It's just that right here, right now, it's uh it's hard to swallow what's been taking place so but um anyway to talk more about the lions instead of my crappy team um <laughs> you know let's talk about these first three games that you've had the, that that first game uh, against indianapolis was it did they get off to the fast start and you caught up or was it the other way around i forget it was the other way around the lions got off to a big start um i think they were up almost 20 points it, it we were talking a little bit earlier about this. It, it feels like week one is, is you know, two, three months in the past already. Right. But the Lions got up to a big, big lead and blew the entire thing with the Colts scoring with about 30, 40 seconds left to, to take their first lead of the game. And, and Stafford came back, put the put the Lions in a they, – they scored a, a game-winning touchdown at the end. 
so, you know, it, it, it's kind of been like that all all season where the offense has been kind of pulling this defense out of the pit that they've they've created and they were able to to score at the end at the in the Colts game they weren't able to do so in the Titans game after blowing another lead and the offense kind of dragged them back into the game against the Packers but the defense couldn't get them one more stop right so tell me about the Titans game because the final score of that one was 16 to 15 so there was some defense actually being played in that game as opposed to the what 39 to 36 game with the with the Colts or whatever that that one ended yeah. up being yeah it didn't really feel like a defensive struggle while I was watching it. The The Lions actually scored three touchdowns in that game that were all called back to, to, with penalties. Oh, I think wow. they had, I think they had about 16, 17 penalties in that game, and that really kind of bit the offense in the butt there. Um, defensively, they were okay, but, but it's not like Marcus Mariota and the Titans are a stellar offense at this point. Um, and the reason they lost that game was because they couldn't stop the Titans from driving, I think it was 85 yards in the last, their last offensive drive of the game for the game-winning score. So it, it's it's really been on the defense this entire you know three-week stretch, and the offense to me has looked stellar. Matthew Stafford looks like you know what we've been dying to see for eight years or however long he's been in the in the league. Um, but the defense is in shambles right now. So does this kind of remind you of that uh, that 2011 team that had to win all of its games like 45 to 41 when they made the playoffs that that year where the offense was just like, oh, my God, the Lions offense is fantastic. But when they put the defense on the field, it all goes to hell. Yeah, I, I hadn't make, made that connection before, but that that does kind of ring true, really. Uh, for For some reason, the offense to me seems more legit, more real to me. Um, maybe that's just, you know, recency bias. Maybe I'm just, I see it now and I, I believe it more than I did back then. But the, yeah, I think that's a very fair comparison. The, I don't know if the defense was quite that bad in 2011, but, uh, the, the offense definitely is as explosive as it was back then. Yeah. I just remember, you know, about that team, number one, that they were absolutely just murderous on, on offense, they didn't run the ball very much because they couldn't right. for one reason or another. But right. Stafford and, and and Calvin Johnson were just all over the place with their, you know, with their play, and they were scoring enough points to win ball games. But they were actually having to, you know, I know it's the the object of the game is to outscore your opponents, but that is literally what the Lions <laughs> had to do right. every single week to win football games because their defense wasn't giving them much help. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what's happening right now. They're just shootouts galore. Even even you know, like I said, with the, the Titans game, it, it felt like a shootout, even if it wasn't. So I was watching Green Bay and Detroit in the first half uh, last week. Did you happen to get my tweet? I don't know if I saw it. I I am bombarded by tweets and <laughs> and emails and texts okay. during games, and I answer pretty much none of them, especially when my team is down thirty-one to three. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I you weren't down thirty-one to three yet. I think the score was either seventeen or twenty-four to three when I sent my tweet, and it was because at the start of the football game, whether it was the first or the second drive, there was a stat thrown up by Fox that said that the the Lions had yet to stop anyone in the red mm-hmm. zone. Yeah. this year 
that uh, they were 0 for 8 on red zone tries as far as not allowing a touchdown. And then about midway through the second quarter on the Packers' third or fourth drive, they held firm in the red zone and Green Bay had to kick a field goal. And I sent you a tweet at that moment that said, I want to thank your defense for finally stopping someone in the red zone so we Bear fans didn't have to hear that the Bears were the first team not to score in the red zone on the Lions on Sunday. So you get to spare us that embarrassment after everything we've dealt with so far in these first three weeks. Well, I'm I'm glad to give you guys that gift because I think even though I, I view the Bears as our biggest rival, I, I somehow feel a little bit of pity for them right now. No, and uh, you know you're not alone. You know it's just uh, I think that um, you know, like you said, people weren't expecting big things. You know, from the Bears this year, that was mostly Bear fans being optimistic uh, about you know the changes and everything that were happening. Uh, but I don't think anyone was expecting the Bears to be 32 in the power rankings after three weeks. No, um, you know, to, you know, even even being ravaged by injuries, I think they would still be expecting better than what the Bears have uh, have put out there. So. Yeah, you know, it's like, uh, as I've shared with you many times, the, the Lions are my least favorite team uh, in the division, so I've, I always kind of circled the, those dates on the calendars, especially since you guys have won six in a row right. uh, against us. I'm looking to break that streak, but uh, I don't know how possible it's going to be this time around. So we'll, <laughs> It just uh, it feels like we shouldn't really be doing like bottom-dweller on bottom-dweller crime at this point. Like, shouldn't we no. just be... <laughs> Are you focusing our anger on the Packers and the Vikings right now? You know what? I, I would really enjoy doing that. But, uh, you know, and then the next two weeks, the Bears get to beat up the rest of the AFC South or get beat up by the AFC South. We got Indy and then Jacksonville um, week six and se- or five and six. So, mm-hmm. you know, we get to turn our aggression over on somebody else for a couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, I, I, I want to win this game even more so just – it's like the fact that we're playing you guys this week is irrelevant as far as how badly I want the Bears to win a game. Right. You know, we were yeah. 0 for September for the second year in a row, and here we are the first week in October. We're winless, and we're, we're at home, and, and hopefully the Bears can, can dig one out. You know, just uh, And it, being against the Lions would, would make it sweeter, but at this point it's, it's, that's not why I want the Bears to win at this <laughs> right. point. It's you just know? to get one in the column. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, we to know that feeling. <laughs> for them to know that they can do it, you know, right. at least. You right. know, you guys can win a football game. It is possible. So, <laughs> you know, we were in the exact same position last year at 0-3, but it was a much, much different, much different viewpoint that people had of this team and of its abilities going into that week number four game with the Raiders uh, last year, who ended up being a pretty decent football team, and we beat them yeah. for our lone home victory last year. <laughs> so, Yikes. I don't know. I, I I actually think I would have more confidence in this game if we're playing in Detroit. Yeah. You know, but we're playing in Soldier Field where John Fox has won one game in 12 tries, so I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that. I you know I obviously feel kind of the opposite where I would rather have this game in, in Detroit right now, but knowing that, you know. I, yeah. I just my, – my biggest thing about – about Soldier Field besides the field quality. Right. I, like, I like to watch game film after the game, and the Bears have notoriously the worst, like, all 22 angle of, of the game. It's it's the worst. Like, you can't see really? anything. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. If, Interesting. If there's any, any one of your reviewers that, that watches, you know, has, what is it, Game Pass, I think it's called? Sure. Yeah. If you watch on the all 22 view, it's always the worst in, in Soldier Field, so... 
Nice. I so have that, that extra bit of bitterness against the Bears so that, for that. <laughs> that stadium sucks for more than one reason now. That's awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, actually, you can. there's a laundry list of reasons. Number one, it's the smallest in the NFL for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like a giant spaceship from the outside. The field quality is terrible, and now the All-22 is awful. So <laughs> maybe that's why the Bears suck, because they get terrible All-22 angles, and yeah. their coaches can't figure out what the hell's going on there because they can't see it. <laughs> I think we solved it, Jeremy. I think, Thank you I so think much. that's a good theory. I think you need to delve into that a little bit. Yeah, we'll we'll investigate. We'll we'll get some <laughs> we'll get some people on that to uh, try to straighten that out. So, so speaking optimistically, if the Bears were game planning and were going to be able to beat Detroit this week, how would they? What would they need to do in order to be victorious? Let's start on on defense. What what do the Bears need to do offensively to to get over on your defense? Um. Basically throw over the middle. Uh, tight ends have been absolutely killer against this Lions defense right now, and mostly because the Lions linebacker, the Lions are basically on a third or fourth string linebacker. They have Tiger Whitehead, who's a normal starter, um, but outside of that, DeAndre Levy's still on the mend. He's almost certainly not going to play this week. So I would say, you know, get Zach Miller going. He had a pretty good game last week, um, and I, I think he's probably developing at least a little bit of a relationship with Brian Hoyer. I don't know if we're going to see Hoyer or Cutler this week. But if it's Hoyer, I'd say expect to see Zach Miller go off. And uh, in terms of the running game, the Lions have been so-so through through uh, three weeks. Again, I think a lot of it falls on the linebackers not filling their gaps properly. So um, we'll see what you guys have in Jordan Howard. Uh, I know, obviously, things are looking good so far, but... 12 carries, you probably don't know exactly what you have in him yet. Right. I mean, we've definitely seen flashes, and we saw it again last week against Dallas, but it's like if you take away his two big runs, I think he had like 17 yards on 10 carries or something like that, but he ended up with like almost 60 yards because he had two big runs uh, in there, and obviously those are the ones that everybody remembers. So um, with the running game, I don't think that I would worry too much if I were – Detroit. I mean, yeah. it would take a Herculean effort for that to be the difference in the game, I think. But um, the Bears, uh, Hoyer and, and Miller hooking up, they did that quite a bit against Dallas. So um, maybe that is something we can look forward to uh, on Sunday. So flip it on the other side. You know, Stafford has pretty been pretty brilliant this so, so far this year. I didn't. He hasn't thrown any picks or anything like that, has he? Or hasn't been prolific like he has in the past? Yeah, he's only thrown two and. Last year, too, down the stretch, I think he had something like 19 touchdowns and two interceptions down the, down the last eight games. So he's, Yeah, I remember, uh, remember talking about that going into Week 17 that he was on a crazy tear at that point. Yeah, and he's, he's continued it this year. He, you know, he's had a couple minor mistakes here, and the interception he threw against the Packers wasn't really even his fault. It just kind of got took out of uh, Eric Ebron's hands, so wouldn't really put, him, put that on him. But in terms of this matchup, I... I'm having a hard time finding uh, an advantage for the Bears anywhere, to be honest. Maybe you can enlighten me of uh, someone on that Bears defense who might cause some mismatch troubles. Um, I'd say the biggest weakness that the Lions have is is along the offensive line, in, and in particular their left guard, Lakin Tomlinson. He's kind of looked iffy both in the run game and in pass protection. Um, the Lions are also obviously starting a rookie left tackle in Taylor Decker, but he's actually been quite surprisingly good over the first three weeks. So that left side of the line is really where you want to attack this Lions offense, but it hasn't really mattered much through three weeks, to be honest. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't. I mean, I watched pretty much all of the first half and the tail end of the Packer game. And um, after the Bears got done losing to Houston, I got to see bonus coverage of the Indy and Detroit game. So I got to see the the very end where Indy scored the go ahead touchdown, and then you guys coming back at the end to uh, win the football game. So I got to see the tail end of it. And uh, that's not something that I noticed. And my limited exposure uh, to them was uh, there any being any issues uh, on the offensive line. So um, who you watch out for on the defensive side for the Bears? Um, the only guy that's really stood out every single week has been Jarrell Freeman. Yeah. He has been an absolute monster so far uh, for the Bears. I mean, absolutely everywhere. 17 tackles against Houston. Uh, he almost murdered, literally murdered Carson Wentz uh, week two. <laughs> Uh, came in, came in on the blitz, and he hit a hit that would have killed you and me. You know, <laughs> it was one of those. Uh, what's the the phrase? I'll hit you so hard it'll kill him. Right. You know, it was right. one of those hits. You know, it was like if like his mother felt that one. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> it was one of those, and and you know, he's pretty much everywhere, and he's the healthy of the two between him and Trevathan. So right. Um. You know, maybe he could be a problem for for Tomlinson, especially if he's because he the uh, Fangio likes to send him on those inside blitzes. So maybe. Um, we'll we'll take advantage of of Tomlinson's weakness in pass protection and 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 do it that way. So we'll see. But I hear you know you mentioned Eric Ebron. I hear he's finally living up to his number ten draft position. Yeah, I mean I I think he's definitely become a bigger part of this offense. He's he's kind of battling through some injuries, but he's he's been I don't want to quite say stellar through three games, but he's been kind of that solid go to guy to move the sticks to kind of attack that seam up the middle. Um, I think he still has a long ways to go to to win over the fan vote because a lot of people are still angry that the Lions didn't pick Aaron Donald in that situation. And mm. kind of rightfully so, let's be honest, especially since Sue is gone and Nick Fairley is gone. But he's become a, an integral part of this offense. And with a, a team that likes to spread the ball, likes to throw the ball a lot, he's become a major weapon so far. Well, you know, it... Uh... It's always good to see that somebody drafted that high can earn their way into being worthy of it. Yeah. And uh, you're not alone in the whole Aaron Donald thing because <laughs> I still wish that a meteor would crash into Los Angeles and kill everyone in the Rams organization uh, for taking a player that they did not need when yeah. they picked him. Because he made it all the way to 13. The Bears are picking 14. Yep. And if, uh, you know, because the, all the mock drafts leading up to it, the Giants at 12 were supposed to be the last hurdle between the Bears and Aaron Donald. And, you know, the Rams weren't supposed to be looking. I think they were supposed to be taking a receiver or something in the mock drafts that I had seen. And they take Aaron Donald to go with the other four first-round picks they have on their defensive line. And the Bears get stuck with Kyle Fuller. So, yeah, yeah, that one still stinks. So, I mean, you guys have been pissed about Ebron instead of Donald. Well, we're pissed we got stuck with Fuller instead of Donald because Donald's been a beast for the for the Rams. And, you know, up until now, Ebron, Ebron hasn't lived up to being pick number 10. And Fuller has shown minor flashes, but not worthy of the first-round pick we used on him. So Yeah. Well, I mean, at least – you guys can blame someone else. The Lions can only blame themselves for passing. Right. <laughs> right. I guess that is better. So, <laughs> you know, we didn't get our chance to pick him and you guys had the chance and didn't do it. So I guess yeah. that is different. So, but, um, you know, so this Sunday is going to come. Uh, thankfully it's not on national television. So it'll just be shared between our two fan bases, how this whole thing goes down. Um, what do the Lions have after 
the Bears? Uh, that's a good question. I haven't looked that up in a while. Let me take a quick look. Uh, I think it's someone semi easy because I know this is supposed to be kind of a, the easy stretch. Oh nope, I'm. It's Philadelphia at home. Okay. So. Well, when the schedule came out, that was yeah. supposed to be easy. But, exactly. Uh, that has definitely changed. And they're coming off a bye as well. So oh, that's right. Philly's yeah. off this week. So they're they're coming off. Uh, they they got two whole weeks to get ready for the Lions this time around. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. When the schedule came out, that was definitely supposed to be an easy football game. But that is not the case right now. Yeah. So, uh, they, have, they have a three-game home stretch. I think that's kind of what I was thinking, too. They got Philly, Rams, Washington. So not, uh-huh. not, not a horrible stretch of games there, but – uh, Philly definitely kind of sticks out like a sore thumb right now. Three consecutive games at home, or do they break it up like the Packers? Um, you have a buy in there somewhere. No, those are three straight at home. Oh wow, okay, cool. Yeah. Because the Packers have four straight home games, but it's broken up by a buy. Right. Yeah. Uh, they, so they like they're not going back out on the road until October thirtieth or something like that. They spend the entire month of October in Green Bay. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I mean, they they got a pretty whacked out schedule. I think I remember talking to you about the Bears or the Bears, the Lions getting another whacked out schedule uh, again this year with like the way that the the games are patterned out uh, or something like that. But yeah, I don't remember it was a strange pattern. But I remember being pretty happy about having the Bears and the Packers in their house in in September or you know early sure, October. Sure, that, that was definitely yeah. a, a positive in my book. Okay, well, we'll see how it all goes down uh, on uh, on Sunday, Jeremy. As as always, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Despite your allegiance to my least favorite team in the history of football, uh, I do like you, so I I do enjoy having you uh, on the show. And also, I, I like that you're not a Kool Aid drinker for your team, uh, even though you have an offensive quarter quarter coordinator whose name is Jim Bob Cooter, and he he, he calls himself that on purpose. So. Uh, yeah, we're, I, we're trying I, to get the Jim Bob Cooter for president hype going because no one likes the the current candidates, right? Yeah, you're you're not alone. I would vote for Jim Bob Cooter. I don't know a thing about the guy, but I would vote for him <laughs> over those two. That's for sure. So, but thanks so much uh, for coming back. We look forward to having you back once again when our teams butt heads. Was it week number fourteen? So right in in December. Yep. Uh, we'll see you uh, December the eleventh in in Detroit. So. Uh, We'll uh, look forward to having you back on for the Week 14 preview 10 yeah. weeks from now. I'll, I'll be there. Thanks for having me again, Larry. All right. Jeremy Reisman, uh, prideofdetroit.com for SB Nation, helping us preview the Bears and the Lions. Just a couple of quick keys to the game for this Sunday between the Bears and the Lions, um, you know, you heard Jeremy mention uh, when I asked, you know, what would you do defensively to uh, uh, to try to get one over on the Lions? And he said to exploit the middle uh, of the field. Well, it just so happens that our tight end, Zach Miller, uh, despite the final score, had a hell of a day uh, against the Dallas Cowboys uh, on Sunday. I think seven or eight catches uh, for a good chunk of yards. I think somewhere in the 60s, maybe more. Uh, yardage-wise uh, on Sunday, if that's something that the Bears could uh, exploit on Sunday, maybe it would help up, help out and, and open some things up uh, in other parts of the field if the, the Lions you know, were trying to overcompensate for being uh, 
you know, abused in the middle of the field to try to uh, open things up on the outside uh, for Kevin White or, uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey. You know, maybe it's one of those things that uh, if the Bears could, if the offensive line could provide the time that, uh, you know, maybe maybe Brian Hoyer could get somebody to bite on a pump fake when he, you know, pretends to go to the middle of the field and that safety bites to try to, uh, you know, cut off that route that Zach Miller is running and he leaves the the deep end of the defense wide open uh, for one-on-one with Alshon or Kevin White uh, down the sideline with one of those corners. So, uh, you know, every little bit helps and uh, you never know, um, you know, where you have your success, how that's going to affect the defense going throughout the uh, going throughout the football game. You know, because, you know, the the same thing with with play action. If you're running the football well, then those linebackers and those safeties are most likely going to freeze at the moment that the quarterback and the running back fake the exchange. They're going to hold for that one split second to see if they have to react and get down there and help out uh, the front seven. Or are they going to be able to drop back, you know, into their, uh, you know, into their drop into their drop zones uh, and things like that. So Zach Miller, I think, is going to be a big key uh, on Sunday for the Bears to try to exploit the weakness that Jeremy was talking about uh, in the middle of the field uh, of the defense uh, because of their their injury problems at linebacker uh, for the Lions. So and the other big one because of that, because the linebackers are having some injuries um, and because of a stat that I you know found while I was looking some things up, um, we need to prioritize the run game on Sunday I mean even to the point where maybe if we even if we have to sacrifice the first couple of drives on Sunday I know that sounds insane especially for a team that could really use uh, getting off to a good start you know this Sunday but we need to prioritize the run Dole Loggins a hasn't called it enough and number you know when he does he gives up it's like watching Mark Mike Martz uh, call the offense you know, Mike Mars would run the football in, you know, first and 10. Will we get one yard? Nah, screw that. We won't be running the ball again for 28 more plays or something like that. You know, we can't have that. Um, with Jordan Howard out there and hopefully uh, Joyke Bell has grasped enough of the offense to be able to help out a bit uh, on Sunday. The Lions, this is the stat I was talking about, the Lions are tied for last in the NFL, giving up 5.1 yards per carry. Um, so far in the first three games of the season, you know, that's, that's huge. You know, if, if every time the bears hand the ball off to Jordan Howard or, or Joyke Bell or, or the other running back, whose name I keep mustard, I think is his name. Uh, Raheem mustard was the guy that was elevated from the practice squad last week. Um, if we could be looking at second and five every time, instead of second and eight or second and nine after handing the ball off on first down, Dole Loggins, I think, will have the confidence to keep calling that run, which will open up the passing game, which could get Zach Miller in the middle of the field, you know, could also freeze those safeties to get Kevin White and Alshon Jeffrey open down the sidelines in some one-on-one situations. So it all trickles down, and the Bears could use as much trickle down as we can get uh, on Sunday because not only do we need this win to get one in the win column, but it's a division game. And this is a team that we haven't beaten in four years. We have not beaten them since uh, December of 2012, the season finale of 2012. We have not beaten the Lions since then. And we haven't beaten them in Soldier Field since October of that year, 2012. So 
it's been way too long since the Bears and the Lions have been able to call this game uh, a rivalry, if you will. You know, like just the same with the Bears and the Packers. If one team keeps winning, can you really call it a rivalry? Well, with this one, with the Bears and the Pack and the Lions, where the teams tend to go back and forth with the victories, this is more of a rivalry, and I would like to see it for our sake get back to that once again so and then on the defensive side of the football Matt Stafford is the key you know Matt Stafford is the key Marvin Jones is an excellent receiver he had a monster game uh, last week but it's because Stafford had the time to throw the football and get it downfield uh, to Jones and Eric Ebron and his other uh, various targets on the offensive side uh, in the passing game but um you know if we get after stafford we got to create that pressure with the pass rush you know he has been good with not turning the football over as we heard jeremy talk about uh during the interview but he's also human and you know if we get after him we cause enough pressure he will panic even the best can panic and make mistakes and it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for stafford to do uh something like that he's done it in the past and maybe if we get after him hard enough he'll do it again and uh, the Bears can force some turnovers, get the ball back in the hands of the offense, get that thing going in our favor. So, But Stafford, he is the key on defense. How we affect him will affect the rest of the offense in Detroit, and we need to affect him as negatively as possible so that he will make mistakes or make bad throws and what have you to help the Bears uh, get over on him and get a victory on Sunday. So those are the keys that I have, and that's going to do it for the Week 4 preview episode of the Chicago Bears. If you come back on Monday when we review the game between the Bears and the Lions to see if this will be our first victory Monday of the 2016 season and hopefully the first of many to come for the remainder of the year. So be sure to come back on Monday. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.